Blog Talk Radio. HB 101. Yo, it's C&P off the books with the manta ray scriptures. Modern day Tom Sawyer's when we out moving pictures. Hipsters derail when they try to map the speed. Keys and magic degrees from noodles to wilder. Man of arms to tequila. Put souls on tequila. Fiesla when constructing these soundscape ranches. Branches of the crew via neck of funny wood. Understood through the vibe of the boom bap language. The language and greens that he filled the line. Like underground kick the sound that be holding the line tight. They sign height. But yo, we don't believe it. These runaway trains, these stains repeated. Needed for the machine to resume with conquer as a few with a clue. Will the verbal bonker? Yo, it's monster madness with these lab concoctions. Hold to the highest bidder at style kid auction. Toxins from these top spins, leaving no options. A batter ram rolling like a herd of boxing. Artificial exhibitions in pursuit of acquisitions with no love for the art. In part with the mission to the void the soul. For promotion of a product, a jingling theme. For a manufactured dream, a scene on TV. Your word, Stevie. A tune like Saturn showing up with the pattern. Alright, welcome again to another episode of the Ryan and Stacy Football Podcast, which is presented to you by your neighbors and friends at Craft Bear Cellar 2801 Magazine Street, corner of Magazine in Washington in the Garden District. And Stacy, how are you doing this evening? Well, um, considering what happened over the weekend, I'm hanging in now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know for a fact. I know for a fact that uh, I saw the photos of him, uh, of a uh, uh, video of Tua uh, dancing along to some music after the surgery. So I'm pretty sure he's gonna have a full recovery. Um, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, and we're gonna jump into that right now. T- jump into the discussion of, about um, Tua and his legacy at Alabama. And the thing that a lot of people said was that Nick Saban was was wrong for letting him stay in the game with uh, Alabama being up 35-7. You know, if you're a gamer, you're a gamer. You're gonna play. You're gonna play until you can't play anymore. And and I would love to get your opinion on that. Well, I will be honest with you. I'm probably one of the few Alabama fans and alumni and anybody out there. First of all, I'll say that uh, Nick Saban, of course, is the GOAT. He's brilliant. There's a reason why he has all these national championships. But me personally, I would have pulled him. Um, I don't see the point. I see – well, I'll take that back. I understand where Saban is coming from about the two-minute drill. But you an LSU fan, you tell me. Mississippi State plays a brand of football that, to me, at times they had taken cheap shots. They did it last mm-hmm. year, and a bunch, of, and, and and they tried to get his ankles or whatever. I think it was leg ankles, whatever, last year. So we're up thirty-five to seven. We're up twenty-eight points. We're up four touchdowns. We don't. He doesn't need to be in the game. And I and. I don't know if you were following my timeline yeah, no, when I said this. I, they don't, I, don't, I, I think I was probably working. I probably was out working. But I do remember seeing the tweets afterwards. And I think 
you know, when when LSU had that year in 2011, we were up 52-3 on Ole Miss. And Les Miles took a knee the last four minutes of the game. He took a knee. He didn't want to run up the score. And in this in the case in this case, I would have put Mac Jones in when he got to thirty five seven. Two minute drill, you let Mac Jones run the run the show. Instead I agree. Of I mean I I agree because I Mississippi State plays a rough brand of football and they were not gonna stop. If you saw the hits before the injury he was getting hit all over the place. They were taking hits. And like well, I, I mean, said, LSU, last we year. Weren't hitting, we weren't even hitting him that hard. When we no, played y'all, we no. didn't hit him that hard. No. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is teams, a lot of these teams, such as state, they're having a bad year. They're having to lose a record. They have nothing to lose. So they're going to start playing. You know, they're mad already because you, you're beating the butts and then you're trying to score more. They're going to get mad. Their players are going to go out there and start hitting harder and, and intentionally trying to hurt people. And I'm not saying the state players intentionally hurt Tua, but he got pancaked by two dudes who were combined, what, probably 600 pounds. Of course he's going to be hurt. And I think as, as brilliant as Saban is, this is one of the few mistakes he has made. And I trust and I believe, and I saw it in Saban's face, he was devastated. He knew he messed up. You know, he tried to justify it and say, well, you know, we were going to do the two-minute drill, and I see it from his standpoint, but at the same time, why risk it? Because not only are you I mean, you know, he was, and, and, and I remember and I remember saying when, when LSU, when we played y'all, I was like, he wasn't even 100% in that game. The fact that he played no, he was. At, the, at the level that he was uh, playing during that game, is nothing short of remarkable. It's nothing short of remarkable. And I think he is definitely one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of Alabama football. And it's just so sad that, you know, I I like him a little bit, not just as a quarterback, but as a person. I didn't too much like A.J. McCarron as a person. A lot and of Alabama fans a, don't like AJ McCarron too much. <laughs> a lot of people don't like AJ. And and I, I will tell you this. Um, and then we're gonna go into talking about Kaepernick. Um, the Iron Bowl of 2013. Dee Dee Bonner had gotten a divorce. Dee Dee Bonner came on my old show with a guy named Josh Zavaldi, and I remember very well. Um. Dee Dee Bonner sends me a tweet, a, a Twitter message. She's like, I'm getting a divorce from my husband. That same week of the Iron Bowl. So there's a lot of, like, I told this to uh, David Smith, who did, uh, who does photography. I told him, he was like the only other person that knew on social media. I told him, and I said, AJ McCarron's mom just got a divorce. And I was like, wow, like, wow, you're going to do this the week of the Iron Bowl. And I think that's why he was distracted um, mm. during, that, during that game. And, and later, later on, months later, 
Didi Bonner blocked me because I said AJ McCarron wasn't a first round pick. He wasn't. He wasn't. He, was I mean, he ended up in second, third? He 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 wasn't. I think he, he was, was a fourth. I think he was a fourth one. Okay, I knew he's it was playing down in Oakland. He's playing in Oakland. He's playing in Oakland. I know. I know he was playing in Cincinnati at one point. I know he's played. In, he's played. He's been a journeyman. If we're if we're keeping it a buck, but um, we're gonna shift over and we're gonna talk about Kaepernick. And I know you got a lot of thoughts. And we actually got a caller right now. I think on on with us. We're gonna bring him on. It's a four hundred four number. Hold on. Atlanta. Yes. Caller. Yeah. What's uh, up? Four hundred four. You. Hey. Hey. How you doing? What's going on? Hey, not much, man. This is Nas. I ain't talked to y'all in a couple of years, man. So, this is what it is. Okay. How y'all? Hey, how We're you doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Okay. Now, first of all, somebody got to explain to me how you get inside information about a divorce before the Iron Bowl and you didn't talk to one gambler? You ain't talked to one handicap? Brother, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I didn't talk to anybody. I, like, like she swore. I'll never forget it. It was like the I think it was the Tuesday before the Iron Bowl, and Dee Dee Bonner basically inboxed me and told me I'm getting a divorce. And looking back at it now, I was like, "Wow, you're gonna do this during the Iron Bowl week." And she ended up getting married again. I think she's been married like three or four times in her, you know, three or four times. But I do remember um, um, she got divorced during that week. <clears throat> because if you look else. at it, if you, and then in addition to that, after the game, I remember A.J. McCarron ran to cap his you know, his then girlfriend, now wife, Catherine, Catherine Webb, um, first. I think I think Dee Dee Bunner was at that game. But I do but again, I remember that very well. She literally came to me and told me that um she was gonna get a divorce. And I was like, Wow, why are you telling me this? I'm like, I'm just a lowly radio guy. I mean a lowly podcaster. She might but, have been trying to um, come on to you. <laughs> You know, you know, I'm gonna tell you this. I, t- I told Dee Dee, I told Dee Dee Bonner this myself. I told her this out of my own mouth. I actually thought that was AJ McCarron's sister. I did not think that was his mother because I because I saw Catherine Webb and I'm like, okay, who's the older? That must be his sister. And I literally, well, like, no, I no one gave you the information. You was uh, a little smooth well, right there. I mean, I've done that. That's what I'm saying. She might be I've coming done, home to you. I've and done you that. Try to find out. She probably where she probably was. What's going I mean, on? What's up? Because I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you this. We were. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this. Then we're gonna get on to the next topic. Then uh, we're gonna get on to the next topic. When I was in college, we had a wing place down here. I'm from Memphis, so we had a wing place, and um, it was this girl who was with um this girl that was with her mother. So they're waiting in line and I was like, um they were like, um, I can see where she get her good looks from. 
and her mother was impressed. I'm like, oh, what's such a gentleman? And um, I was like, well, I got the girl's number, and we went on a date. She had a kid and everything, and I was like 19 or 20 years old when this happened. And, um, you know, um, we dated for a few months, and, you know, that was it. But I've always gotten girls like that in some way. I, I don't believe in pickup lines. The only pickup line I have is, is how good is your credit? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> See, wow. mo- most white women I know, most white women I try to shoot my shot with, they got to the credit. <laughs> but, but I love my black sisters. Don't don't no. no I just you know, I, I'll keep it. I'll keep it a hundred with y'all. But um, the next thing um is the next thing is the Colin Kaepernick stuff. Uh, the Colin Kaepernick stuff. And I know Stacy, you have a lot of thoughts. You have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, as do I. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't believe the NFL has been truthful at all in regards to this. And if for those that are listening, here's how the uh, average NFL week goes during the season. Sunday, you play the game. Monday is your rest day. On Tuesdays, you bring in players for workouts. Wednesday is your injury report. Thursday and Friday, Thursday, you get your game plan, get your game plan, work on your game plan. Friday, you're normally flying out of out of town for uh, uh, for a uh, for a game. Saturday, you're not, you know, Saturday you do your walkthroughs and everything, and then Sunday you play the game. Okay, to have this. Workout on a Saturday is not only it's demeaning; it's it it it, it reeks of sham of a of a scam. Like we're gonna like as Howard Bryant said, we're gonna break you. We we're gonna break you mentally and being like, do you want to play? And I think it's there's it's, no. I mean, the, all fair. this was was a dog and pony show. So if he decided not to fall in line, they could say, "Well, we tried to give him a chance, but he didn't want to take it." Is that not what a lot of these so-called pundits are saying that criticizing Cap right now, saying, "Well, he had a chance, but he didn't want to take it." That's what the NFL wants people to think. That's exactly why they did what they did. They changed up a lot of stuff for this workout. They changed up a lot of things. Not only that, I mean, you look at why there's not too many people kneeling. It's like because they put they put money at the problem. They're like, you know what? We're gonna do these player initiatives where we're gonna it's gonna look like, oh yeah, we really do care about social injustice. You really don't care about social injustice. Like the same way you don't give a fuck about the military and you don't give a fuck about women. Nope. It's like everything is a dog and pony show to the NF with the NFL. And wait I wait a think, minute, wait, wait a minute. You heard Chris Carter say no more on that commercial, sir. I think that <laughs> shows you that the domestic violence problem is over now. Chris Carter got on that commercial. Oh, it is. And oh, oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah, uh, it definitely. Did they just fire Chris Carter too? Mal- 
Malcolm Jenkins did a couple ride-alongs with the police, so clearly that problem is over. You know, the NFL takes mm-hmm. care of these type of things, man. Roger Goodell, you know, <laughs> he's just talented like that. But, but no, honestly, dude, I'm kind of glad that the, the first take crowd got to actually see today uh, what journalism looks like. You got to see Howard Bryant in all of his skill. Howard Bryant's awesome. Contrasted to Stephen A. Smith, who is a personality, a great guy on TV. Like, he's good at TV, but he's not a journalist. So he opines loudly in ways that make people, you know, excited. Howard Bryant flies to Atlanta, gets the details, talks to both sides, talks to the FLPA, talks to his sources in the NFL, comes to his conclusions based on what? Investigative reporting. And people got to see that in real time to where Stephen was emotional and just yelling stuff and how it was laying out, as, as you guys were just saying, what this was, a dog and pony show. How are you going to have the league mandate some kind of workout on a Saturday when the teams are getting ready for the game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to come to it. If, if they wanted to sign him, they would bring him in like anybody else does. One team would call him. He would fly to that team. He'd do a workout interview, and that would be that. They would make their decision. You wouldn't have a workout for all 32 teams. That's never been done. Why would you do it in this mm-hmm. instance? And why would you have a mm-hmm. waiver with unfamiliar language which looks like you're trying to make sure you don't get sued later for the rest of the league colluding uh, not to bring this man back. And the sad thing about this man, in this country, I say this, bigots used to be smarter. Like the bigots of yesteryear (laughs) would have signed him to a bad roster, let him get booed and jeered all over the country, put him on the bench, and then said he was a failure. But these bigots of now who are drunk on power, they decided to collude at the position where it's most obvious where you're colluding against somebody because quarterback play is so, 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 like, it's so finite. Like, to go from good to bad, like, it it can go quick, as we see Phillip Rivers and Eli. And the elite level is so few that it's obvious if you collude to keep somebody from getting a job who can still play quarterback. And then, lastly, and I'm going to shut up, the idea that you would have somebody who's been a pro for more than six years have a workout where he's throwing against air. Throwing against air mm-hmm. is for college quarterbacks because you want to see if they can hit certain throws. That you is, see that's what their some, mechanics that, that, like, like. People, people, were, people were making, make, getting mad at Pete Prisco for saying, look, Kaepernick threw against air. And, Pete, and now that you mention it, you're absolutely right. If you got a workout, you're going to have a DB. You're going to have DBs and cornerbacks, safeties. I'm not saying you're going to have a whole football team out there, but you're going to have, like, a cornerback out there. You're going to have a DB out there um, guarding a, a wide receiver. If, if you're signing a they veteran who hasn't it. played, you bring him into training camp and see if he can still keep up with the speed of the game. That's what you want to know from a veteran. You don't want to know if he can hit certain throws. You already you got film of that already. You know what he can do as far as that's concerned. So that, that's part of the, another part that shows you that this was a farce to begin with. You know what I'm saying? Like, why did they need film of Colin throwing? Like, no, you can bring him in right now if you chose to. And I'm sure there's going to be some backlash for old Raj from Jerry and a few of the other owners. Like, but dude, you put us in a really bad position. You knew we weren't going to sign him. You just brought this back up. You know, he has really great representation. They weren't going to be dumb enough to sign that waiver. Like, what are you doing? But what? Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Jay Z's part in all of this because what is up with that? 
with him being upset that it wasn't he he wasn't done I guess the way he wanted to be done. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, aren't you supposed to be helping this man out? And shouldn't you be telling Roger Goodell this, you know, advising him on this? He's upset, really. How, how does he get upset about this? And he sees you it know, going on, thing, and I think the thing that makes me <laughs> upset about all of this is, and I go back to Eric Reed as well. Eric Reed is one of my favorite LSU players of all time. He's one of my favorite LSU Tigers of all time. But you could have went to the owner. The moment Cal Cam Newton was out for the season, you could have went to Cam. You could have went to the owner of the Panthers and said, "Look, Colin can play. Invite him to a workout." He could have did it. Eric Reed could have did that. Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, but big man, it, it, with everything you know about Eric. I, I think we know that that probably happened. Like, Eric talks a lot. I'm sure Eric made it be known within the facility that they should bring Cap in. Now, would he be listened to? That's a whole other story. Uh, when you start talking yeah. about the racial dynamics in Carolina, they was ready to run Cam out on the rail when Kyle Allen showed a little bit of proficiency. Mm-hmm. Now we've seen multiple games, and we see how terrible Kyle Allen is, and people down there are still trying to run Cam out of town. So I, that would have been I mean, really they've been difficult. Of, they've been trying to run him out. They've been trying to run him out of town for the longest in Carolina. Carolina I mean, Talk Radio is hilarious, bro. <laughs> I I have friends who are Panther fans, and the thing is, Cam is by far has a lot of the passing records in Carolina Panthers history, and in addition to that, um. He never had any help. Like his best receiver was Steve Smith, never. and they ran Steve Smith out of. Yep, they ran Steve. They ran Steve Smith out of town. They ran yep. D'Angelo. Oh, they did. They, they ran D'Angelo out of town. The only yep. one they haven't ran out of town. The only two they haven't ran out is Christian McCaffrey and Greg Olson. And, 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 and can we? Can, can we? Can I'm we sorry. say why? <laughs> do, well, do well, we hold, yeah, oh, yeah, hold we know on, don't, don't hold on. Don't go too <laughs> in. Far, don't don't go too far in on that. Cause wait till next year when they tell Christian McCaffrey we can't pay you the max because you got so many carries and we don't know about your durability going forward. Wait till they try to shortchange this dude that they're running into the ground. They a trip mm. out there, man. They a trip. <laughs> but I mean, y'all ready to break point, yeah. man? The fan, the fan base but, but, is a certain way down there, man. Yeah, it, it's really. But we're gonna uh, move on and uh, move on to talk about the college football rankings, college football playoff rankings. The top two are remaining remain at the top. Number one, LSU. Number two, Ohio State. Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. Oregon, Utah, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Minnesota rounding out the top ten. Guys, what do we think about it? I mean, I don't really have any qualms about it. I do have the only qualm I have is Utah being in that in the seventh spot. Like, who the hell have they played? Who have they beaten? Well, apparently, uh, well, no, because they lost to USC, so never mind. <laughs> I was about to say USC, but that's that's the, <laughs> USC is the one they lost to. Never mind. <laughs> I think I told you last week uh, about the top five, and I, my shocker was as an Alabama fan was that Alabama was still sitting at fifth because everybody 
and their mama was convinced Alabama was going to drop the sixth or seventh. The fact that they stayed there was a shocker to me, especially after the tour injury. So it was a kind of, it was kind of a shocker. But at the same time, I told you last week, I said the main reason, the only reason I think Alabama's ahead of Oregon is because they haven't played Auburn. And I think, depending on, of course, what happens down the line, because uh, it wouldn't shock me. Let me also say it wouldn't shock me if Oregon lost to Arizona State this weekend. i put that out there right quick. But the only reason Alabama's ahead of Oregon right now is the Auburn game. And I think now mm-hmm. if Alabama goes to Auburn with a backup quarterback, beats Auburn in Auburn, as tough as they are down there, how do you jump Oregon? I don't care if they win the Pac-12 or Utah for that matter. How do you jump them over Alabama if they go down there and beat Auburn? And with Georgia, I think all of us pretty much saw this weekend, they could lose to a Georgia. this weekend. Georgia they could lose to lose they, they, You know, that's one thing that I didn't um, – that's one thing that um, – I didn't even think about it. At, at, uh, that I didn't even think about. I mean, they're 24th in the country. Um, Texas A&M does play us on November 30th, so that's going to be a game where that's been a game that's been circled on on our calendars ever since um, the uh, the fiasco in College Station. But Texas A&M is no pushover. They're seven and three, but they're no they're no pushover at all. Right, and they have mm-hmm. nothing to lose. So and well, Mon is a better quarterback than Nick says. Let me give Kevin Mon can run the hell out of the ball. Right. Let me give a little reassurance, though, sister. All y'all got to do is handle y'all business as Alabama. Because I don't care what anybody says, that committee counts tickets, it counts hotels, it counts spending power, yes. and it counts people yes. who show up. So if those yes, West Coast they definitely teams, do that. Don't do something spectacular or one of them loses or anything, but Alabama kind of just toes the road. Alabama's going. I'm so, as much as they're going to be mad about SEC bias and all that other stuff they want to say, point blank, period, SEC powers travel, and those other places do not they do. to the same the, degree. The, 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 the only team in the SEC that I know that does not travel is Vanderbilt, which is mm-hmm. why Vanderbilt never goes to like. You know, the years that they've been bowling, they went to the Liberty Bowl one year. Another year they went to Birmingham. Another year they they played in a couple of Music City Bowls. They're not going to get – they're not going to go to Jacksonville or Tampa. Like, Kentucky fans in football, they really do travel. When I was uh, living in, in Memphis, uh, Kentucky played in the, uh, in the, in the uh, Liberty Bowl, and they had – Thousands and thousands of fans. Mississippi State fans, they they travel well. I've been down here for the last six Sugar Bowls. This will be my sixth one. Uh, my fifth, yeah, it will be my sixth, my fifth one, that is. And Ole Miss fans, the first one I remember, they were going to drink Bourbon Street dry. They were going <laughs> to drink Bourbon Street dry. And I hardly saw any Oklahoma State fans down here. I didn't see that, not that many. When Auburn came here in uh, 2017, Auburn came here, the same dynamic happened, but this time it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans traveled very well. Then you had um, then you had Alabama against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. Alabama fans were everywhere. 
Same with Clemson. And then last year, you had Texas and Georgia, same thing. So those fans, those CF, those uh, committee, the people in the committee, they're going to understand, and they know who's going to travel well and stuff. Yeah, I mean, think about if you're one of these cities. Like, let, let's be honest about this. This is a shot in the arm for your economy, and you're going to turn that down based on, you know, the criteria of a tiebreaker. And then when you look at who people are playing week to week, because, look, I'm from the Midwest, but I moved down here, so I'm an SEC convert. I understand what these welcome wars are the, like. These welcome rivalries. to the church of the SEC. Right, but what these rivalry games are and how good some of the bad teams are in the SEC when it comes to D-line or, or D-backs and stuff like that. Like, I understand. And I'm sorry, uh, Pac-12 and WAC and all these other conferences. I'm sorry. It's just not the same. Winning at Auburn is a bigger deal than whatever you want to come up with for what Oregon's going to do out there. I'm just, it just is. I, 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 well, I agree. I mean, I, I've said it, and I, I, I truly believe that. I, but your boy, Peter Burns, on the SEC Network, the LSU guy, saying that he don't think Alabama has no in because it's going to be the Pac-12 champion regardless. And I told him, I said, Peter, if that was true, and he never did answer me, I said, Peter, if this is true, then why not just go ahead and jump Oregon or Utah anyway over Alabama? Put Alabama six, put Oregon fifth, Utah six, and whoever wins, and if Georgia loses or whoever loses in the top four, they'll just be in. And and I told you, I I said last week, and I believe this, it's going to come down to the Iron Bowl. Alabama takes care of business against Western Carolina this weekend. It will come down to whether or not they can win the Iron Bowl. But I got a question for you guys. If LSU loses, either to A&M, because we know they're not going to lose to Arkansas, if they lose to A&M or Georgia, are they out of the top four or should they be out of the top four? I think they, they, they might get – I think they'll get out. And then whoever is in that uh, that uh, spot, and we are running low on time, by the way, whoever's in that sp- uh, fourth spot, if it's the Pac-12 champion, they're going to they're gonna leapfrog whoever is there. Whoever that four don't probably fall Alabama. I, I agree that that when you lose is very important. Always has been, and that would be the case there. Prisoner of the moment type thing, but yeah, that would go really bad for them. Well, folks, we are I coming agree. to the conclusion of this part, this uh, conclusion of the Ryan and Stacey pod, football podcast with our special guest from Atlanta. And that being said, we will see you down the road. Say good night, Stacey. Good night, Stacey. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> All right. Y'all funny, man. <laughs>